We'll be in the book of Joshua this morning. Joshua 17. As they've already said, I am so thankful that, uh, you know, I am thankful we're in the country we're in, and I can say that having to have visited quite a few other countries. Uh, and I'm telling you what, a lot of countries do not compare to this country at all, uh, just in case people were wondering. Um, I, I hear people talking of poverty, and uh, really poverty in this country is a joke compared to poverty around the world. Uh, you know, when you've stepped foot in Haiti, I've never seen anything like it in my entire life, uh, and, uh, and, and I'm glad, but, uh, and it's because of many uh, men and women gave their lives for the freedoms we have today, uh, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, um, I, I'm thankful we can come in. That is a blessing. I'm telling you, we are blessed. Uh, but then the other side of the coin, all the blessings that God has given us, just like when God blessed the children of Israel, what did it do? A lot of times it led them away from the Lord. And we've seen that, haven't we? We've seen a nation that has grown cold on the Lord, uh, and we're seeing the results of that. You cannot walk away from the Bible and its truth and the Lord and not have consequences uh, but still, uh, I, you, you know what that leads me to say is not uh, we better make sure we get the right Supreme Court or the right president or the right thing. I'm thinking we need a revival. That's what we need, a, uh, where people get Jesus Christ in their heart. And that change as a true Christian will turn this nation around. If we could get a whole bunch of people coming to Jesus Christ, a lot of our problems would be solved. Right, I, I'm glad I don't have to wait on the government to fix what I need. I'm glad I can call Amen. on Jesus. Amen. 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 So I'm thankful for that. Thankful for uh, the wonderful service we've already had. But we're going to be in Joshua chapter 17. Uh, turn to the wrong spot here in my Bible. I was about to read you Judges 17. Then whenever you do that, it only confuses me. But uh, Joshua 17, we're starting in verse 12, says this, Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in the land. And it came to pass when the children of Israel were waxen strong uh, that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but did not utterly drive them out. And the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people? For as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto. And Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country, and cut down for thyself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants, if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. And the children of Joseph said, The hill is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both they who are of Bethsheen and her towns, and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and to Manasseh, saying, Thou art a great people, and hast great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only, but the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoings of it shall be thine. For thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for being with us this morning. And Lord, I pray during this last part of the service, Lord, 
Lord, uh, that we can dig into your word, that you would make it plain and clear to us. Lord, I also ask that your Holy Spirit would touch hearts. Lord, convict us where we need convicting. Lord, if there's any are lost, I pray they come to know you. Any questioning that they'd find answers in you. And Lord, I pray that you'd challenge each one of us that are uh, Christians today to serve you and to draw closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray and amen. So the book of Joshua, it's a, it's a big story of how the children of Israel, uh, how are the Jews, how they cross over the Jordan River and start to take the promised land. So those 12 tribes are, are kind of battling and ridding the enemy and, and getting the portion of land that God had promised to them. Uh, but God told them in the beginning, he said, I, there will be enemies that you'll have to fight, but I will help you defeat every enemy. And there's all, I mean, the promises are through. Throughout the Old Testament, but one of the big ones is Deuteronomy 7. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, and the Gergesites, and the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou, and when the Lord shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them, thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. So the promised land would not be empty, right? When they crossed over Jordan, it wasn't going to be empty, but it was going to be inhabited with different nations. But God promised to give them the entire piece of land. And he told them right off the bat, before they ever got there, he said, some of these enemies are going to be mightier, stronger, greater than you. And in fact, the, the story we're looking at today in Joshua is the Perizzites. And back in Deuteronomy 7, the Lord named them. He said, hey, you're going to go up against the Perizzites, but I'm giving you the land, even though they're stronger. And the Lord told them all this, and he said, I want you to completely clear them out, completely destroy these nations. Uh, a few verses later, he'd say, I want you to break down their altars, uh, their statues, everything that they've done to promote idolatry and these false gods. I want you to get rid of them all, get rid of all the people. I don't want you intermarrying with them because they will turn you away from God and to idols. Now, people a lot of times hear stories like this or read it in the Old Testament, and they say, wow, isn't the Lord a vengeful, mean, evil God? That's what they say today. You, you give this story to the world. That's what they're going to say. Uh, but a lot of times it has these spiritual applications. I'm here to tell you, if you want to serve the Lord and you keep idols and you keep wickedness and you keep things against God on the side, it will turn you away from the Lord every time. And we've seen examples of that uh, uh, throughout our lives. We've seen many people try to both serve the Lord and and serve the world at the same time. And guess what? There will come a time where you got to make a choice one way or the other. So the children of Israel, they had promises from the Lord that he would give them a certain land. He would deliver them from their enemies. And he would bless them if they were obedient. But here's the thing. They had to make the choice themselves. Whether they're going to go over to Jordan whether they're going to start to take the land. He said, I'll deliver the enemies into your hands, but you got to take it. Yeah. you got to take the land. You've got to fight. You've got to go against them. I'll help you. But if you, don't, if you choose not to go fight, you're not getting any help. 
So back in Joshua 14, they start dividing up the land between the tribes. And Judah is the first tribe, and we get Caleb. Uh, we love Caleb. He was one of the original spies, yeah. right? Forty-some years prior, before the wandering in the wilderness and the unbelief and everything, uh, Caleb went over there. He knew what was coming. And Moses promised Caleb a certain mountain and a certain piece of uh, land. And he said, you know what? Uh, I want to take it. Even though it's got walled cities. Right? Like a fortress and castles with walls. Even though there's giants. Even though it's a mountain. And he's, he's going to be fighting uphill. With, which is always a disadvantage. If you're thinking about it militarily. He said, you know what? I fully trust the Lord. Uh, and, and he says, give me this mountain. I like that. I like what he's saying. He's saying, hey, you give me the hard one. Uh, that's the one God promised me. I'll take it. But then a few verses later. The rest of uh, uh, the tribe of Judah in, uh, in uh, Joshua fifteen sixty three. As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. In chapter 16, verse 10, this is the tribe of Ephraim, part of Joseph. Uh, it says, and they drave not out the Canaanites that dwell in Gezer. Then Manasseh. Joseph's other son, 1712, uh, the, the very beginning of the passage that we read. Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in the land. And it goes on and on. And Judges chapter 1 continues on. It tells us some of the other tribes, Zebulun, Asher, Naphtali, Dan, they all had a certain group or a certain area or a certain tribe that they would let stay in their land. And what I see over and over again is they couldn't drive them out or they wouldn't drive them out. Over and over again, repeated. Are you with me? Amen. God said, I'll deliver the entire land into your hands, but you've got to take it. Right. And he said, I want you to eradicate all of it because if you don't, if you let them live, they will draw you to their false gods. That's, right. they sure will. That's what he said. But they chose over and over again to let certain groups stay. Now look at verse 13 of our passage. So Joshua 17, 13. And it came to pass the children of Israel were waxing strong uh, that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but did not utterly drive them out. So here's what we see right here. The Lord's blessing the children of Israel. They're multiplying. They're growing in the promised land. They've got plenty of chances to get rid of the Canaanites, but they did not utterly drive them out. So remember before it said they could not and now it says they did not. Do you see that? Yeah. Before they were saying I, we can't do it. Now they're saying we won't do it. And that's the problem. Why? At the beginning it's because of their iron chariots and their greater strength. But now that they're stronger. Now that they've uh, had all these military victories. Now that they could overtake. It says they won't. Because at first they're saying, you know what, the iron chariots, we can't do it. Now that that excuse is gone, they replace it with another excuse saying, well, we're stronger now. But if we let them stay, they'll pay us tribute or taxes. We'll make money off of them. That's what they decided. Is that what the Lord wanted them to do? No. He said, get rid of them. They will draw you away from me. But it's, it's a logical uh, decision, right? Well, we'll just let them stay. Uh, they'll work for us. They'll pay us. Uh, uh, you know, and, and here's the thing. Everything will be good. They get to live. We get to live. We'll get more money. Uh, it all sounds good. But here's the problem. They kept their idols. 
They kept these things and, and gradually uh, the children of Israel started looking at these idols and it pulled them away from the Lord. And then we get to verse 14. The children of Joseph are talking to Joshua and they say, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I'm a great people, for as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto? So those two tribes, those two sons of Joseph, they come to complain. And they're saying our land is too small, right? We're too big for this. Uh, we've got too many people. The land is too small. Why did you only give us this little piece? Right? Like it's Joshua's fault, right? That's, that's what they're doing. They're, they're blaming the leader, right? They're blaming Joshua that they don't have a big enough place. Well, then Joshua answers them in 15. And he says, uh, uh, go thee up to the wood country, Go take it. Go take the land of the Perizzites. Go take the mountainous area. You do that. If Ephraim's too narrow for you, if it's not enough. Look at verse 16. And the children of Joseph, here's their response to Joshua. The hill is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites that dwell in the land, again, here we go again, have chariots of iron, both they who are of Bethsheen and their towns and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. So you see what's happening? Joshua says, hey, quit complaining. God's given you a bigger piece of land than you've taken. Go take it. Yeah. Right? You were promised a larger piece, but you're complaining to me because you only took a small part and your small part is not enough for you. That's where we're at. Are you with me? Amen. And here's what he's saying. Joshua's saying, hey, if you want more, go take more. That's right. Right? Amen. Now, if we were, okay, so imagine instead of a church, imagine we're in a business seminar and, and I'm your motivational speaker, your TED Talk person or whatever you want to call it. And, and we're talking about whether it's selling cars or whatever we're doing as our business. And, what, and I came up here and I said, you know what? If you want more business, you go out there and get it, right? If you want more customers, you go call them. You go, you work hard, you dig deep, you build that business. And people will be saying, yay, right? That's what we need to do. I could rev everybody up, couldn't I? And charge you a big old fee to do it. Right? I, I, I'm telling you what. I've been in banking for a lot of years. 20, 21, 22. And I have heard so many of those. They'll bring in somebody, a consultant. They'll get you all revved up. And it's like, but basically it's all the same thing. You go out there and work harder. And you'll, 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 it'll get better. Right? Okay. You with me? Or what's the big thing today? They'll call it a life coach. Have you ever heard of those? And what happens if you go to a life coach? Well, I'm not satisfied with things. I, you know, I just don't like where my career's at. I don't like where certain things are. Well, you need to go dig deeper. You need to work harder. Again, the same message. You just repackage it a little differently. Now, you guys are looking at me funny. You've never heard any of this? You've never seen a YouTube video about stuff like this? You've never seen a self-help book? My gosh. They're all the same. Have you ever noticed this? It's all the same. Just a different person, different language, different flair, different PowerPoint, but it's all the same. Yeah. Right? So in the business sense, in the life coaching sense, how about sports? I know nothing about sports other than watching it. You know this, right? You know this. How many of you were on teams? What did the coach say to you over and over again? The same thing. Yeah. You want victory? You want more points? You want to score? You got to dig deeper? You got to work harder, right? 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 Yeah. My goodness. Nobody's played sports. Nobody's done anything in business. Nobody's needed any life coaching. Well, everyone's great. 
Nobody's needed a self-help book. Nobody's watched anything on YouTube. We're good. But across the board, it's all the same thing. Yeah. But when it becomes a spiritual instruction, we're like, nope, nope, nope. My coach says it, I'll do it. A self-help book says for my career, I'll do it. If someone comes in and talks about it with my business, I'll do it. But not if it's for the Lord. Yeah. I won't follow that. Ooh. Isn't Joshua saying the same thing? You want this, right? Yeah. You want spiritual victory. You want blessings from God. You go do what he told you to do and take the land. I can't find where it's any different. But why do we dismiss it when it's spiritual instructions? Would you dismiss the coach when he said that? No. But why do we dismiss the Lord when he says that? The children of Joseph, they wanted all the land. But guess what? They didn't want to fight any hard battles to get it. Right? They didn't want to do any of that. They wanted all the blessings from God with the least amount of effort, the least amount of faith, and everything else. And I'm sitting here thinking of it. Even if you thought of it in a worldly sense, he's saying go take the mountain territory so you can have extra room. How awesome would it have been to have your home on the mountain and you get the mountain view and everything that goes with it? That's prime real estate. But they'd have to fight the hard battle to get that. Right? They don't want that. Remember Caleb? What did he say? Give me this mountain. Right? Caleb was the opposite. He said, I don't care that there's giants there. Uh, He says, Joshua 14, 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. uh, For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there. Those are giants. And that the cities were great and fenced or walled. If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Caleb had a totally different mindset. He's saying, you know what? I don't care if I'm up in years. I don't care if I've been true when everyone else gave up. I don't care about any of those things. He could have had the easiest tract of land, but he said, no, I'll take the mountain one where the giants are and the castles are and everything else is at, and I'll fight uphill to get it. Why? Because the Lord told me to, and the Lord will be with me. Totally different mindsets. The Lord promised it. I trust the Lord, so let's go. And then here's the thing. We read books like Joshua, and there's dangers here because some people will take the promises of Israel and then they'll, they'll, they'll try to morph it around and say somehow it's a promise of the U.S. or a promise for us or something like that. That doesn't work. I, like I've told you, I love the United States, but we don't have a promise in the Bible that promises that all of the land that we're on right now will be ours forever. We don't have a promise like that. But we've got other promises from God. And you know, sometimes I read the Bible, maybe you're not like this, but sometimes I'll read a promise and, and, and God's talking to Abraham or, or talking to Joshua or talking to one man and he gives them just an individual promise for his life. And I thought, man, wouldn't that be wonderful if the Lord would just tell me and give me just a promise just exactly for my life so then I can take it and run with it. And the more I thought about it and the more I find myself wishing that and realizing that the, the you know, not the one's uh, promise 
promise to Israel, but the rest of the promises in this Bible, really I can claim most of them individually. I can look at it and say, you know what? I know the Lord's promised it to all of us, but I'm one of all of us, right? And I can take it as if the Lord said it to me and I can grab hold of it. That's what we need to do. Amen? Amen. That's what we need to do. Instead of wishing for different things, we need to take what God's given us. But then how to apply it? Because this is tough. I've told you before. We're not in a literal physical battle. Right? I hope not. Right now, I hope we're not. We're not like Joshua. We're not taking a land. So how do we apply something like this? Because this is what the Bible... We've got to apply the Bible to us. Not out of context, but in context. How do we apply it to us? And I was thinking of two verses. Psalm 128 says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat of the labor of thine hands. Happy shall thou be. That's one, well, one passage. Here's the other one. Romans 12, 11, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And I looked at both of those passages and I saw something similar in both of them. You know, you've heard me preach, most of you have heard me many times, and you hear me talking about serving the Lord, right? This shouldn't be the first message you've ever heard me talking about how we need to serve the Lord. But one of the most common excuses that I've tried to use, and maybe you've tried to use, is that if if I put all this energy into serving the Lord, I won't be able to have a career, I won't be able to do all these other things. Because the devil wants you to think that you're going to have to give up every single thing you've ever liked to serve the Lord. Isn't that what he does? He'll bring everything you like, everything you find enjoyment in, every hobby, every everything, as if you're going to have to give up everything in your entire life and never have any more fun, never spend any more money on yourself, never do anything like that. That's what the devil tries to get us to think. And that way, that says, well, I don't want to give up all that, so I won't serve the Lord. But the devil's a liar. That's right. He's a liar. That Romans 12 especially really hit me. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. There's three things in that passage. The first one, not slothful in business, is not talking about anything about the Lord. It's about your own work, your own career, what you do uh, to make money. And he's saying, hey, I don't want you to be lazy in that. I don't want you to be slothful in that. I want you to give it your all. And then he says, fervent in the spirit. Right? When it comes to worshiping. When it comes to praising God. I don't want you to be lazy about it. I want you to be fervent about it. Energized. Passionate about it. And then lastly, what's he end with? Serving the Lord. You know, he says, I want you to do it all. The devil's saying, you got to pick and choose. He's saying, no, now here's, I will say this. I'll step aside over here for a second. There are things you may have to change in your life. Amen. That's right. Not every career is what God wants you to be when he, see, here's the thing. You got to have the priorities right. Right. He's called me to preach. He's called me to pastor this church. If an opportunity came up tomorrow where I'd work every Sunday in a better job with more pay That's not God's will, right? Amen. That's pretty easy to figure out. Okay? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is what the devil tries to get you to believe. You're never going to be able to do anything 
It's just the priorities. I've told you before, he's given me a good career. Amen. He's given me a good life. He's allowed me to have good things. Yeah. And he's blessed me. Amen. Now, I'm here to tell you, it's not easy. It is not easy doing. I mean, think of that verse. We read it real easily. Romans 12, 11, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You know what's hard? Juggling all three at once. Right. Amen? Amen? It's hard to have a career and serve the Lord. That's never easy. But one thing I've learned is when I try to put the career first and then fit in God, it doesn't work. Right. But when I put God first... There's always enough time and energy for all of it. Right. I don't know how. If I were to add it up, if I were to logically say this won't work, he makes it work That's right. every time. And I'm here to tell you, you're going to have days that are hard. You're going to have days that are tricky. Yes. You're going to have days that, like I had this morning, we, we took Harper the Clippers game last night, so we're tired. You wake up and you see I've got four missed calls she's got like 10 missed calls and all these messages and you're like oh no what's happened yeah. right and then i don't know about you but at work wednesday night it's always crazy and i'm trying to get here and get in a different mindset to worship and to preach and everything else it's I, he's not saying it's going to be easy That's right. but he's saying you can do it amen right what did joshua tell him? you want more land you go take it what was their excuse? We could not. Which That was never a valid excuse. You can't do anything without the Lord. That's right. Amen? You're not going to do anything successful, spiritually successful in, in the biblical sense without the Lord. Amen. So sometimes cannot is true if you're trying to do it in your own strength. But then they got more honest and they just said we would not. We're not going to. Where are you at today? What's the Lord dealing with you about spiritually? Maybe you're one of those ones that want to, man, I, I wish I had a strong grasp of the Bible. Maybe you're saying, man, I just don't know enough about that. That's a good desire to have. But I will tell you one thing. You could go out there and get you a devotion book, and you can open it, and it will have one verse a day. And you can look at that one verse and read the devotion, and in five minutes be done. I'm here to tell you, you will never get a strong grasp of the Bible doing that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying if you really want it, it's going to take more than that. Amen? Amen. Right? Ask Bob about the cello. If he just looked at it and spent two minutes on it a day, how long would it have taken? Or me at the piano. It had taken you about 5,000 years to learn it. Right? Yeah. Why do we think the Bible's any different? Right? You got to get into it. Amen. Amen. And the more you get into it, the more you'll understand, the more you'll realize who God really is, and the more it will help you to continue to trust Him and do what He's called you to do. What's the Spirit leading you to do? What's the Bible commanding you to do? Are you doing it? And if the answer is no, why? I'll tell you, it's the excuse. I, listen, the Lord has you do something, whatever it is, maybe a big thing, maybe just a one-time thing. The devil always has an excuse instantly ready that's tailor-made. Yeah. Every time. I don't have enough time. I'm not smart enough. 
I don't have enough money. It'll never work. I'm too busy. Right? That's right. He's got them all. And say one of those goes away. What did we have in the passage? They got stronger. He'll give you another one. Oh, they're paying tribute. You're going to lose money. Right? You'll lose money if you get rid of them. You can't do that. Oh, you're right. Let's just let them live. And it became a disaster. What happens next? Joshua judges. What's the book of Judges? Men did what was right in their own eyes. And it was a disaster. Mike, what did it look like? Look around. Men are doing right what they think is right in their own eyes today. But that's not what we need to do. What do we need to do? The same thing the gurus say is the same thing that God says. If you want it, take it. Right? You want a stronger biblical knot? Praise God for that. Get into this book. You want a stronger family? You need to pray. You need to teach, right, parents? We need. I know there's not enough time. Amen. I got twin toddlers. I know there's not enough time. But guess what? You put God first, and there'll be enough time. Some things may have to kind of fall away, but that's okay. You'll realize how little you were attached to them anyway. How little they helped you anyway. God will help you each and every day. But I'm here to tell you, I have not figured it out. And I am one call away from having to be tempted again. Amen? One opportunity away. One, you know, because you think, man, if we could, man, if I could, like with jobs especially, man, man, if I could just make this extra money, we could do this, we could do that. But then at what cost spiritually? I can't make that trade. I can't. The devil wants us to make trades with our entire life. But we can't do that. Because Jesus Christ traded his life for ours. The innocent, we talked about this this morning. The innocent died for the guilty. He was sinless. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yet why do we turn around and give more to him to the coach? Give more to the coach than Jesus? Give more to the career, the boss than Jesus? Why do we do that? Well, we could just sit, turn to Jesus and say, you know what? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Look, I can tell you, he didn't make me give up my entire career. He didn't make me do all the things the devil said he would. Because he's a liar. And the Lord has taken care of me. And he's blessed me. And I'm here to tell you I'm living a better life than any time when I tried to drive my own success. But I can't convince you of that. You have to try it yourself. Have you trusted God? What's that thing he's dealing with you right now? Number one, you've got to trust him with your soul, your life. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're still in your sin, you're headed to hell. You've got to trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Admit you're a sinner, call on his name, and find salvation. Then you can become a Christian. Then you can start to follow God. Then you can start to do these things. But maybe you're a Christian today that's got the could-nots and the would-nots. You need to trade those in. And guess what? We got a church with plenty of stuff for you. We need help. We need laborers. I don't know how many times we think think about that. We're saying, man, we need help in this area. We need help in that area. 
we, we want to we want to build a building if it's God's will. And what do we need? We need money for that and money for this. You know what Brother Aaron told me one time? He said uh, uh, when they were doing a building project, their pastor before got up and said, praise God, we've got all the money for the building project. And everyone's like, yay, that's awesome, great. And then they're thinking, well, what happened? Somebody win the lottery? What happened? He said, no, it's already, it's just in your wallets, right? <laughs> we don't like to hear that. But guess what? Sometimes we're looking for laborers on the outside. We got laborers already on yeah. the inside. I'm not talking about driving people to the point where they're overblown and everything else. But I'm telling you what, if God's got given you a special gift, we need you to use it. Amen. And here's the thing. If you're serving God, don't you quit. Amen. If you're a Caleb, you're a Joshua, you grab on, you keep going, and you do not quit. Guess what? I know it's hard. I know it's stressful. I know there are days you don't want to come in. You don't want to do it. You're saying, Lord, I've got nothing left in me. I'm tired. I don't feel like it. I've got my mind racing in a million directions, but I'm here to tell you, the Lord will help you each and every time. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. He'll help you. He'll help you. Guess what? I may take a day off, but the Lord never does. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. We're going to open up the altar.